Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your Monday Best Bets episode, as well as our weekly futures look. On today's show, we're going to break down all of the awards in the NBA, from MVP to Coach of the Year to Rookie of the Year to Defensive Player of the Year to Most Improved Player, all of the real awards. We're not talking about Clutch Award because that's a fake-ass fucking award. So we're not doing that this week. But all the other awards, we're going to do that to do that I've got Jim Turvey, half of the Future Jays. The other half of the Future Jays, Joe Delera, is out this week because it's his birthday. And so Joe's going out to celebrate. Happy birthday, Joe Delera. Hope he's Happy doing birthday. well and having a wonderful Ooh. night with his significant other, enjoying his birthday. Uh, to fill in as a Future Jay night, we've got the A.O. Watts in the house. Andrew O'Connor Watts is joining us. He'll help us out with some future looks. We're going to go through every award and we're going to give you three things. Who's going to win it right now? what the best value on the board is right now, and then a nice long shot so you can have some of that tasty CLV that we all love to eat, because you can definitely eat CLV, right? Uh, But we'll do best bets first, and all the bets we talk about today can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. I make this plea, this beg, this this plug every single time on this show. Uh, I really need to stress to you, though, that if you are a longtime listener of the show and you're like, yeah, 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 the app. You are a better. You listen to the show, you bet sports, which means that you will get something out of the app. There's stuff in it that I spend every day doing that is not just like tracking picks or whatever. It's not just reading our articles. It's stuff like our pro reports. It's stuff like the signals. It's like, oh, where's the money coming in? It's seeing the line movement over time so you can notice what significant numbers came in and when, and you'll get these patterns down. There's a lot of cool shit that you can find in the app, which is why you should download it right now if you haven't. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page. Go to youtube.com slash The Action Network. You can catch a video version of this show, as well as all of our other great shows, our live shows. As a plug, The Favorites is having a live show for Wildcard Weekend this weekend at the Shepherd and the Knuckle in Jersey. Check out The Favorites page for more details on that. 
or check out the podcast or the podcast page. Make sure you check it out. If you are in the New York area, you want to go check it out. Go join the favorites for their live show for Wild Card Weekend. Okay, we'll do best bets right at the top. We'll roll through these best bets, and then we'll do some futures looks, boys. Andrew O'Connor Watts, what's your best bets for the Monday slate? I've got the Clippers in the first half. Okay, Clippers first half. The number just popped as we were recording this. Full game is minus six, so we'll go ahead and we'll give you minus three for that one. We'll just cut it in half. Might be three and a half potentially on that one, but we'll give you that. works for me. Uh, Jim Turvey, what are your best bets for the Monday slate? Yeah, I've got the Rockets plus four and a half and on the money line as well. And I'm going to be on the Clippers as well. I like them for the full game uh, at that six and a half number. I've got the Bulls team total over versus the Charlotte Hornets. uh, And I'm going to be on the Rockets plus five tentatively. But we got to talk through that one because I have I have some concerns on on that one. Um, We'll talk about those as we go along here. I'll give the Bulls cap real quick on this. No Gordon Hayward, no PJ Washington in this game. So there's absolutely like the the Hornets are going to struggle to score in this one as they tend to do. Um, Bulls games have not necessarily uh, been dynamite on the over as of lately because they're playing a little bit better just overall and they've played a pretty medium pace. And the Hornets are not necessarily an over. But here's the big key with the Hornets. The Hornets defense absolutely blows. And their team, <laughs> their opponent team total over differential average is 11 this season. That's high. That's high. And so we've got a Chicago Bulls team that is vibing, that is playing better, that is playing more cohesive basketball. I have this projected for the total number way, way over. I have them projected at 119. This number is going to be well below that. So this number is kind of like a weird number in the market to me. I was kind of like, I don't understand. I want to be very cautious with this number for a number of reasons at 217. I don't want to play the over in the event that the Charlotte Hornets absolutely bottom out, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play the Bulls team total over here, Jim, in the hopes that the Bulls will be able to at least put up a big number on a bad defense. Um, I think it's possible that the Bulls let down versus the Hornets without uh, Hayward and PJ Washington as well as LaMelo Ball. But even if they let down, I think it's on the defensive end, not the offensive one. I think Chicago puts up a bigger number than what this number projects the team total to be. Yeah, I've been on the Bulls. The Bulls have been one of the teams I have bet, I feel like, the most this year, which is kind of strange. I, I don't carry myself a, a like a Bulls supporter very much, but it just seems like the market has, has been a little bit off on them, especially last month or so when they've really been playing a lot better. Uh, but this is I this number is a little bit high for me in terms of the spread. So I think it's an interesting approach that you're taking looking at the team total specifically, because I actually uh, I kind of lean towards the Hornets for the spread as a whole. Um, but I can kind of get there more if we're looking at team total. So um, I didn't dig into the exacts on team total. I do lean towards the Hornets, but that for me, that doesn't tell me enough to to get me off of the team total per se. Yeah, I mean, I've got this projected at four or three yeah. and a half, rather. So, like, I've only got this at three and a half. So, I've technically got like a, a two and a half point edge here on Charlotte, but I just i I can't get there with the injuries, right? Like Hayward. Yep. Anytime I want to bet Charlotte, Gordon Hayward has to play. Like, I I have to have Gordon Hayward, and if I do not get him, they are. I'm just all right. I'm moving on. Um, and it's not necessarily that Hayward impacts the defense in a, in a significant way here. Their uh, over-under is pretty much even in the games that Hayward has missed. Same thing with P.J. Washington here. So there's no big edge on that. But it does to me just, I can't get to a spot where I think that the Charlotte Hornets are going to be able to keep what is a decent Bulls, especially as of late with Kobe White playing the way he is, with Zach Levine back. I can't get to a spot where they're going to hold them under what this number projects it as. Uh, A.L. Watts, you got any disagreements there? 
No, you mentioned uh, wanting to play uh, the sh- the Hornets only with Gordon Hayward. How about more than one of their starters? Yeah. They, I mean, Lamelo out, Mark Williams out, you know, PJ Washington out, uh, and Gordon Hayward all out. Um, it's tough to back this team right now. Um, I definitely was leaning towards the Bulls uh, when I when I was looking at the slate, and you know, just to go back to the Action Network app thing real quick. One thing I use the Action Network app for is seeing what other people are on. And I saw that Jim was uh, on the other side of the Bulls today. And historically, going against Jim has not worked out very well for me. Uh, so I now use that as a little bit of a of a, a check, you know, a box to check. Is Jim on the other side? No? Good. <laughs> if he is, uh, then maybe I stay away. So uh, th- this was a stay away for me. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I don't, I, I don't have much. All right, so let's talk this Clippers game. So the Clippers are currently, as we're recording this on Sunday night, they are up 73-72 with 226 remaining in the third on the Lakers. So back-to-back spot for the Clips, back-to-back spot for the Suns. This is not, this is a, a home-and-home back-to-back for the Clippers as they are playing, obviously, um, quote-unquote, away at the Lakers here. So they're in the same building. Um, so it's a home, home, back-to-back spot. Um, Kawhi Leonard has played in most of the back-to-backs this season when he's been available. They have not rested guys on back-to-backs. Kevin Durant returned tonight for the Phoenix Suns, but this is a back-to-back spot. So don't know what that's going to look like. This number is six and a half. Uh, Andrew, this, I I agree. You said this, this pre-show and I kind of agree with you. This feels like at the very least, it's a half and half no KD number, if not a full no KD number here with it being six and a half of the Clippers. Yeah, that's, it looks to me like a, like you said, there's a, they're at least worried about KD playing the second half of this back to back. That is not even really why I liked this spot for the Clippers. Um, obviously, no KD is even better. But for me, it's just how the Clippers have been playing. And it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a, doesn't matter if they win tonight or lose tonight's spot. The Clippers have been really good after a win in the first half. They're 14 and eight ATS in the first half after a win. And if they lose tonight against the Lakers, I like it as a motivational bounce back spot at home again. So to me, this was kind of result proof and not to mention a numbers play. I have this in the first half without K- without KD close to like minus five. So there's some leeway. Uh, Jim, do you think this is a full KD's out or a half KD's out? I think this is a half KD's out. Um, we were kind of trying to talk through what we were imagining the line would be. Um, I thought it was going to open around Clippers four, four and a half. Um, I was going to like that with to to uh up around six if KD played and up to around nine if he's out. So I, I think they're splitting the difference. We see this often with star players who are worth, you know, multiple points to the spread. When when there's a, a chance that they're gonna be out, they kind of split the difference. And I think that's exactly what's happening here. I think if he does sit, it gets to around eight and a half. I think if um he plays, um, which I would be surprised. I think maybe it's skewing a little bit that way. I think it might only go like maybe uh you know five and a half or five. Um, but I'm I'm really with Andrew on a lot of this. Um, to me, uh, 
the number likely isn't going to move far enough um, here that I, I won't be on the Clippers side. They're really, really hitting their stride. Andrew talked a little bit about it, but they've got the best net rating in the last two weeks uh, per cleaning the glass. So if you take out that garbage time, they've been the best team over the last two weeks. Um, they've been the third best since the start of December. And ever since that James Harden, when the, when you know he arrived and they had that James Harden losing streak right when he when he got there, which is we all get a good laugh at, but when they stop that, ever since they've been the fifth best team by net rating, they. You mentioned that they've they've they're playing their stars back to back this year. Kawhi's played thirty games, Paul George played thirty two. Harden hasn't missed a game since he's come to the Clippers. Um, Phoenix, on the other hand, does a lot of resting of their stars. We've seen that time and time and time and time and time and time again this year. They also have their depth uh, is a little bit knocked uh, a little bit. Uh, dinged up right now as well. Um, Eric Gordon's out. Nasir Little um, wasn't playing on Sunday either. So I, I mean, I just really like how this Clippers team matches up with the Suns um, in general. You know, they kind of have those those two way guys at, at talented positions where Phoenix has you know incredible offensive players, but don't maybe have the same defensive capabilities on that on the wing that the the Clippers stars do. So. I'm I'm be playing this uh, up until up to Clippers minus nine. If there's no Durant, if Durant does play, I would play it to Clippers minus six. Very nice. Um, yeah, I have this. This is one of those where I don't want to say what I have this. I'll just say that there's no number <laughs> this will get to, or I will not like the Clippers in the spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be on this as well. Uh, it is kind of funny that we're like, you know, they've just been phenomenal. Like they're number two, and they're currently down four points to the Los Angeles Lakers. I know, <laughs> not like, ideal. Like every time Jim would say another positive stat about them, the the Lakers would scored. <laughs> like every single time. Um, one I let's talk about Rockets, and I'll, I'll throw in this other one that I've got to lean on. Um, so Rockets are five point dogs tomorrow on the road versus the Miami Heat. No Jimmy Butler. So I originally had this as like a best bet. I'm I'm gonna move this to like I'm gonna play it, but it's gonna be for a fraction. Um, based off of Notari Eason. And no Dylan Brooks. I actually care about Eason more. Uh, the D- Eason is one of the most impactful defensive players in the league in regards to how the team defends with him on the court versus off. It's been an absolutely massive differential this season to the point where, like, if Eason had more blocks and, and rebounds, I'd be talking about him a little bit later on. Um, and if he started, he's that impactful. Like, Eason will be a DPOY contender in his career. Um, so it makes me a little bit shy of it, but... I the other problem here is that the the Rockets are not great on the road. They're not they've stabilized. They were terrible on the road and now they're just like not great. So it makes me a little nervous here um just based off of the fact that you're getting Miami at home Rockets like the Rockets are either like really impressive in a win or they completely shit the bed and they're more likely to do that on the road. Uh, I will bet it, but I am going to back off a little bit with the Eason be- still being out. Uh, Jim, why do you like this spot in particular? Yeah, you talked through uh, you know some of the parts I really like about it. Most like th- this number, I just do not have this high. But I also am targeting the money line in part because what you said that the Rockets are a team that can kind of you know fade in in spots, but you know kind of surprise with a an upset win here and there. And to me, this game kind of screams Heat take the lead first half. They've been one of the best first half teams in the league this season. Whereas the Rockets, they've been kind of slow starters, but they've been really good down the stretch. So 
Um, this is this is an opportunity for you know those reverse correlated same game parlays where you do Heat first half Rockets uh, to win the game or maybe just to cover the spread if you if you think maybe that fourth quarter will be a great chance for them to kind of backdoor cover on the spread. Um, I really like those reverse correlated ones. Um, there's times where I think that they are actually correlated um, and the game script can actually work a little bit to your favor. So um, just to, to the point on Miami, so I, I mentioned that they were great in the first half and they kind of slow down from there and it, it kind of goes by quarter. So I just wanted to, to rattle these off really quick. They're net rating by quarter. So they're, they're plus 9.6 in the first quarter, outstanding plus 5.7 in the second quarter, still very, very strong. 0.7 plus 0.7 in the third quarter. So, you know, about average. And then a minus 11.5 in the fourth quarter. This is something Brian Fonseca has been on all year. These heat fourth quarters are a great chance to fade uh, fade them. And against the Rockets, who are 20 and 14 against the spread in the fourth, it really sets up for a nice game script here where you could potentially get Miami again out to lead you. You could look to live bet it, or you could do one of those same game parlays I was mentioning earlier that, you know, theoretically gets you a reverse correlated you know, extra little bump there in the in the number, but it's really a game script that's highly feasible. So I'll be looking at at that exact price. You know, I'll kind of shop that around and then, you know, keep an eye out in the app because uh, that's probably a play I'll be going to tomorrow for this game. This is a stat we'll talk a lot more about when the playoffs roll around. It's the Matt Mitchell stat, um, which says that if you're in a bad dog in the NBA playoffs, you need to bet the money line because if they cover, they win outright a huge proportion of the time. Early in the season, this trend was actually not showing up, and I was kind of like, huh, that's weird. And I was like, I'm going to give it some more time. It's stabilized. Uh, dogs this season that cover have won outright 64% of the time. So if you're, depending on the spot, you know, like depending on the number, this is if you're going to bet the if you're going to bet the spread, especially a number like this, where it's inside of two possessions, you probably should be betting the money line as well, just for long term ROI. I do want to mention Thunder Wizards here real quick. Um, the number currently in the market for Thunder Wizards, as I check the Action Network page, uh, two forty. There's a two forty six in the market. It's already down to two forty four in some spots. Um, I, I love the under from a model perspective but I could not find any trends to get me there. So the problem is, is that OKC had that phenomenal game versus Boston. They go on the road with that hilarious game in Atlanta where the books were just like, go on, bet the thunder. (laughs) They're only one point favorites. We know you want, go ahead, bet the thunder. And they cleaned up on that one. Then they go to, to Brooklyn and they also lose because they give up a huge number. Their defense has been bad in the past two games coming off that Celtics loss, right? The Thunder are an over team on the road. They've the majority of their games have gone over. The Wizards are an over team at home this season. Both teams have over fifty percent when the total is above two forty this season. That's the the over goes over over fifty percent with totals above two forty. Uh, Thunder seven of the last nine are overs. So I had like. I was just, I was looking for confirmation bias. I was like, okay, I got a big edge on the number. Uh, let's go find some trends to make myself feel better. And all of the trends were like, you should not. You you should leave this alone. And so I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, I have a strong lean to the under, but I am too chicken shit to bet it. Andrew, you got thoughts? I had the exact same thought process that you did. Uh, my model has this a lot lower, uh, like 235.3. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the same exact thing. I was like, I can't really find a reason beyond just the number to bet it. Um, looking a little bit closer, I mean, the Wizards' offense is terrible. 
That's a good reason. Uh, but so is their defense. So that kind of, yep. you know, cancels that out somewhat. Um, I will say if you are going to pull the trigger, it's probably more of a pace thing. Uh, and and the the Wizards offense just not being able to do anything against the Thunder defense. Yeah, maybe there's there's probably an angle there, like with the Bulls, right, where you can take a Wizards underplay. But again, my problem is I'm just like, well, if OKC is having a blip on their defense, that happens to teams. It's not bad. It's just like I, I talk about this a lot. Like I talk about this a lot, and then last week I ignored that advice a lot, and it was fucking stupid. Where I, I talk pretty consistently about like pay attention to the short term trends. It's a reason to stay away from a game. Like if you're bad in the NBA. You have all these nights. We have four more months of basketball, guys. Like it's fine. You could pass on a game just because there's like a recent trend and the Thunder giving up big numbers to the Hawks and Nets. The Wizards are not the Hawks and they're not the Nets. That they're probably closer to the Hawks and Nets than some other teams. And so um, I definitely want to want to go ahead and stay away on that. Uh, it is futures time to recap our best bets. I've got Bulls team total over. Uh, Andrew has Clippers first half. Jim and I are going to be on Rockets plus five. Him more so than me. And Jim is going to lay, uh, you're going to lay the six and a half with the Clippers. Yes, Jim? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that runs up our best bets for Monday. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's move on. Let's talk about some some awards. So we are closer to the halfway point. Everyone kind of thinks like the all-star break is halfway point. Not so. That's about 50 games in. This is, you're going to, we're going to hit like the midway mark here in the next two weeks. Um, so it's a good time to kind of evaluate. And we'd like to do this at the beginning of the month to evaluate where the market is at. So what we're going to do is we're going to give who we think is the most likely to win, where the best value is. So if like you were going to put a bet in and we actually think like this can win and it's the best number right now in the market. Um, and that can be the, the, the favorite and that will probably be, be mentioned here in the first one. And then we're going to give a long shot bet. That's essentially like, you're going to get CLV on this. Like this number will be shorter by the end of the season than it is right now. Um, you can't, if you could eat CLV, you, you would have be a very full better. <laughs> um, let's start with most valuable player. Joel Embiid is obviously the favorite in the market, uh, given his just absolutely incredible scoring performance. This is the best season of his career. Um, 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls that may befall him. Uh, one book in particular, he's plus 210. Nikola Jokic is plus 250. We've got Shea Gillers Alexander rattling around about plus 400. Lucas plus 500. Giannis plus 1900. Tatum 3400, and so on. Um, Jim, Andrew, can we both, can we, I assume we can all assume that if the voting ended today, the most likely person to win would be Joel Embiid. Do we agree on that? Ugh, I get. I mean, I guess we like have to, right? So the the straw poll came out, and so like mm-hmm. I, I just I, you're right. If it's this second, I think we do have to. But I, 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 I still bristle at the idea because I was on the, I was okay with giving it to Embiid last year because I did think it was fair to say, to to look at the bigger picture and say I don't want to give someone a third straight MVP until they have won in the finals. How yeah. on earth is that argument going to be used? to give a second straight MVP to someone who hasn't reached the conference final. I, I feel like I'm losing my mind, but it's obvious. It's a different voting block. Not everyone used the same logic I had in terms of giving uh, that award last year, clearly. Uh, but I do feel like I'm taking crazy pills that, that Embiid could win it this year. It's, it's beyond reason to me. This is hilarious. I'm going to be really serious with you. I had this conversation with a voter. Okay. It's one voter. It's one voter of a hundred. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with a voter and he said, well, I think we all learned last year that we shouldn't hold the players to this type oh of standard. Okay, so let me get this straight. <laughs> let me get this straight. You didn't give it to the guy you should have given it to <laughs> last year. And you all looked like idiots after Joel Embiid once again, flamed out in the second round as he always does. While Nikola Jokic, who had already made a conference finals, mind you, and had less playoff baggage, won a title and, that's what spurred you to realize that you were wrong, which allows you to once again give it to Joel Embiid. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. All right. All right. That's well, fine. But isn't um, that but isn't that just I mean, my thing is you shouldn't give it to a per- person based on a playoff performance. You shouldn't. Correct. It's a regular season award. Correct. So I think what happened is last year was just a bad move by everyone. Like they all, everybody voting that voted for Joel Embiid voted the wrong, (laughs) (laughs) voted incorrectly based on, uh, you know, for that, for the reasons that they did. Um, It's definitely was justifiable. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but all of those people that have buyer's remorse now, I think that's stupid to have that buyer's remorse based on playoff performance. So I, agree. I do think that you should, we should just be looking at the, at the regular season. I, I agree. Jokic I agree. didn't care. He, he actively was like yeah. tanking the award towards the end of the season. He didn't deserve to win based on that. And now that may have been dictated by the narrative. Like I think he saw the narrative and was like, Whoa. Here's the thing is like, he tanked the last, the last month of the season. He was still better than Joel Embiid. <laughs> <laughs> like Fair. that's the problem. Uh, I actually think actually, I, I, if I had a vote, it would have gone to Giannis. It legitimately would have gone to Giannis last year. Um, so Jim, I do want to ask you this though. Okay, so we did most likely to win, right? Which is like, I, I should have like very clearly spe- specified this. Which is like, if if the award was voted today, because that actually is no. different for most likely to win. Gotcha. Um, I I know what you mean, and I it, you're right. I mean, we like I said, we literally saw the straw poll results. So like, I I. I just am having trouble yeah. getting well, let, there. Let me ask you're right. let's, let's say that you're right. Let's say that you're right. And there's going to be that we're going to, because one thing is it's very easy to say Joel in January. And then yeah. when it gets yeah. to be March and it's like, are you really going to vote for Joel as the most valuable player a second time without a single conference finals appearance 
and about 1,700 cases of basketball diarrhea in the playoffs. Are you really going to do that? Um, so that would like that'll become a conversational point. My question for you though is, if if I told you if I came from the future and I'm like I'm not going to tell you anything except who wins MVP and you're like well, what about this that and the other the <laughs> important world events I'm like no fuck you I'm only telling you MVP <laughs> and I tell you that Joel Embiid does not win who do you think wins so and we we can kind of parlay this into maybe the next topic but I think it's Shea and I think in part it is because of the exhausting nature of having done Embiid and Jokic for like, you know, years upon years now. And I think, you know, if to look at the advanced stats, it, it really is a three man race. And in some, like Shea is right there. He really should be at the plus 200 ish mark. Maybe they should all be plus 300, but he, he has numbers for numbers that can go with both of those guys right now. If you look by EPM, he's ahead of Jokic. He's right there with Embiid. BPM, he's a little bit behind those two, but uh, on off stuff I mean, he he is having such a good season and the thunder i really don't see them slowing down i the only thing that i think would slow them down would be an injury to him which then would take him out of the award in general but he he's not missing games he's playing at an outstanding level and i think that he is both the best value and i do think i think you distilled it really well i think if if this actually the season did end today say we had like another pandemic and that the season did end today and people actually had to vote for MVP. Like you said, I think it's really easy to say something right now. If it was like suddenly going to be the, you know, the, the vote of record, I, I don't think that Embiid would, I still am, I, maybe I'm just a stubborn person. I don't think that the voters would give it to Embiid if that's the vote of record. And I do think the Shea is, is the guy. I have an incredible stat for you, Jim. Guess how many games Joel Embiid has played on the road versus a team over 100. <laughs> I I think it might literally be one. One yes, game. Do you know who it was against? Uh okay, wait. No, I think I do because I was looking this up for Is it uh was it the Thunder? It was either Wolves or Celtics maybe? It was the Thunder. Oh, was yeah. it? Look at you, Andrew. He nice. Only willing to play versus Check. a 208-pound <laughs> rookie on the road. Like <laughs> And like, look, it's smart as hell what they're doing, which is he's beating the shit out of like they got good wins versus the Celtics and the Wolves at home. Like I this is I am a Sixers buyer. OK, I put in a bet on them to win the the Eastern Conference and the Clippers to win the West today. Like I had that, that's tracked in the in there. I'm a believer because of Nick Nurse, but they are absolutely gaming this for him to win win the award again. And that's fine. They want to do that. Like, it's good that he wants to win. That's going to help, I think. But. He's going to have to balance this because eventually someone will be like, hey, so like Embiid literally hasn't played anyone on the road. Like he's going to have to do this a little bit. I agree that Shea is the best value plus 400. Like that's that's mine for best value is um, Shea is going to be. I, I talk about this a lot where there's the beat writers, the TV people, the international reporters and the analysts. And they're not all the same people. Some people are closer to, to some than others. Um I do think the TV people will all go for Embiid and they will be hard stuck on him to a certain degree. There's a four letter network in particular that has strong ties to both Joel individually and uh, the agency that represents him Two, um, the analysts though. And the beat writers will probably either split or lean Shay. And so like this could get really dicey. Uh, Notably, the Thunder are only a half game back of the Sixers in standings. 
Uh, Shea has bounced. He and Embiid have bounced back and forth on some of the major numbers like BPM and EPM. So they're kind of right there. There's a long way to go. There's a lot of like Shea has an injury history and Bede has an injury history. Um, Andrew, wh- what was your pick for the best value on the board? I had Shea uh, yeah. for best value as well. Um, and part of that was too, is that, yeah, if it ended right now, I do think Joel is probably the one that wins it just because, I mean, he's, like you said, he's he's timed this and, and kind of crafted, picked his spots perfectly. Um, he's currently 16 straight games with 30 plus points, which is a very like MVP kind of, uh, stat or streak, you know, um, to, to be going for, Oh, look at it. Look at how many 30 plus point games he had. Uh, but I mean, I, I believe he's on pace for 65.1 games, uh, played (laughs) this season. If he keeps doing it this way. So he has plenty of 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 room to um to to not skip all the games that he doesn't want to play but he's at some point it's going to run out and he's not going to be eligible because the minimum games played is if I'm not mistaken is 65 games. All right, let's talk about long shots for value. I'll go first. Uh mine's Kawhi Leonard 95 to 1. Uh is that yours, Jim? Yeah. <laughs> ah we got to talk about these before so I can pick different ones. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always torn between should we do it live? So you're re- like the no, reactions it's fun. are authentic? It's fun to do live, yeah. Or, or should we do it or should we do it? Should we talk about it so I can avoid things like this? Um, look, Kawhi's he's top 10 in EPM and BPM. Uh, he's playing the best defense of his career. The Clippers are an absolutely uh, like they're like we've talked about. They're a juggernaut. Again, I just said something positive. Christian Wood just scored. They're down four. Um, so there's all these kind of ways in which it's a problem uh, that they're like a really good team that is going to be uh, a huge problem uh, in for the for teams this season. I've got huge division exposure to them already, but I'll just say that it is kind of tough because I think PG was the fir- was the best player on that team for the first month, but since then it's been Kawhi every single night, and the Harden lineup seemed to be actually accentuating how good Kawhi is. And so if the Clippers like look if the Clippers keep this up, which is a lot to do. But if the Wolves were to tail off a little bit and the Thunder were to tail off a little bit and the Nuggets keep going roughly around their pace, the Clippers could theoretically steal a one seed. And that's that would change this conversation a lot. And if you're wondering, like, is Kawhi? Yeah, but it's Kawhi. He never plays that many games. He hasn't missed that many. He just hasn't. He has not missed that many games. And so he's well within line here to to make this award. That's why I like him. Uh, if I was going to bet, bet a long shot, it would be on Kawhi at 95 to 1. Andrew, his stat profile is never going to match up. It would have to be like the the most narrative-y of all narrative awards, excluding last year, which was ridiculousness. Like, it would just have to literally be, um, this guy is so good. We all acknowledge him as like, the Clippers have been, have been the best, you know, they would even, I think, I think it would even be tough if the Celtics finished one, like 65 plus games or wins. If they get to like 60 plus wins and the Clippers finish with like 58 that might even be a tough conversation, but Kawhi is good enough to at least be in this discussion. He's definitely good enough. Um, I didn't really look at him just because he doesn't fit that profile, um, age, um, all you know, all of those things that you and Brandon talked about on the How to Bet MVP podcast. He doesn't quite fall in there, but but from a team perspective, I think the Clippers are going to finish with a really good record. Um, yeah. 
Kawhi, as you mentioned, he has been playing those back-to-backs. I, I think it's a solid pick. I just, it wasn't, I went a little bit longer and I went a little bit uh, less likely um, for mine. We'll, so We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Jim, what are your thoughts on, on why you have Kawhi as the, your long shot here? Uh, yeah, not only did we agree, but you basically read verbatim my, my note section here. The only thing I will say is that (laughs) he has, he, I, from an eye test, he has looked better and better and better as the season gets along, which, uh, I I think is great. Like it, it seems like he is actually healthy. And like, like, as I say this, where he's playing right now, I probably just jinxed it into infinity by, by saying it out loud, but he looks really good. He's looking better. He looks, he looked a little like. He always looks a little robotic, but he looked like very kind of like motiony at the beginning of the season. He looks a lot smoother right now. So, you know, maybe we could even see a little bit more production. You're right that he's never going to have the counting stats that some of these other guys will have. Um, but again, this is the, the the CLV that you can't eat. So it's it's perfect for him to, to be the pick here. Uh, Andrew, what's your long shot? Well, um, it's De'Aaron Fox, 60 to 1. Um again you know it's clv you can't eat right we're not gonna we're not we're gonna go go to bed yeah yeah (laughs) we're going to bed hungry but uh here's the thing he's he has a massive impact on the king's offense um he is top 10 in uh epm not quite high enough he's gonna have to climb a little higher if if he wants to be in the seriously in the conversation uh but he's improved his shooting significantly he's averaging 29.2 points per game on 38.9 from uh, three point range on eight and a half per game um so uh, he's got a, a plus 29 expected wins on uh cleaning the glass uh he just checks a lot of he checks the the age range box he checks a lot of those boxes uh that you know you're you're gonna bet it it's gonna get smaller and he's not gonna win <laughs> and okay and also by the way don't do do don't check his box score from tonight because it goes against everything i just said <laughs> okay we got two servings of Kawhi and a serving of De'Aaron fox should be able to <laughs> get get some tasty clv on those let's move to coach of the year because we think this one's gonna be pretty interesting um most likely to win Right now, the odds at one book currently, uh, Mark Dagonal is plus 130, Chris Finch is plus 250, Jamal Mosley plus 750, Joe Mazzula plus 850, Rick Carlisle plus 2300, along with Nick Nurse. Uh, Tyron Liu is 25 to 1, Udoka is 30 to 1, Kids 55 to 1, Willie Green's 55 to 1, Eric Spolstra is 85 to 1, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, do we have any disagreements that right now, if we were to vote today and for the rest of the, like projecting out the rest of the season, the Mark Dagonal at plus 130 is most likely to win the award. Do we have a disagreement on that? No, I agree. Okay. Uh, so let's get to best value. Um, and I will let Jim go first since I stepped all over his cap in the first one. Jim, what's, uh, <laughs> who do you think, what's the best value for, for coach of the year right now? So I kind of have, uh, there's a coach that we can, we can bring up that I would want to talk about, but I think that, the best value is also a potentially tasty CLV bet because it's, it's kind of in the longer shot range and I'm kind of surprised it's still in the longer shot range. Uh, it, and I think maybe because all these awards are narrative, it's, there's a little bit of a stink on this guy still, which is, is understandable, but Ime Adoku has done an incredible job in Houston it, to, for him to be 30 to one, I think is, is really, really long. I mean, they, they added 
you know, they, they brought in some, some veteran players, which, which will stabilize a, a younger team, but they look really good. And right now by uh basketball reference, their playoff probabilities, they have Houston finishing the season as the sixth seed in the West. If the Houston makes the playoffs straight out without even having to go into the play in tournament, I don't know how Udoko isn't in the, the, the very close conversation for this award. Uh, they're like the classic overachieving. The Thunder and Wolves, they are overachieving, but to a degree, they are young teams that are fulfilling promise that, you know, I think you can make the case for the, the players blossoming pretty easily, whereas this Houston team looked shambles last year, and now they look like a really professional team that has an elite defense and wins close games. And if they're the 60 in the West, I, I don't think there's any way Udoko ends the season at 30 to one in this. I agree with uh, the CLV matter on this. I think he can make the ballot. I think the question is, what are the odds of, of a lot of this honestly is it, can Houston maintain to stay in this range? And if, the Thunder drop a little, or the Wolves, or both. If they drop, and they, but they still finish above the Rockets, what does that do? Um, and I think that's going to be kind of the question. There's also, I will say, there's a, a, a number of measures, mostly offensive, that kind of suggest that, like, Houston might slide a little bit. Like, they might just, like, it's, I think it'll be a little tough for them um, to maintain. What's your, your you got something, Jim? Yeah, I'll just say I think that you can make the same case for OKC though. They their yep. shooting right now is absolutely out of this world, and I I think you know they have great shooters, they have the best shooting coach, but I I think their offense is going to slide a little bit as well. In Minnesota, we're already starting to see a little bit of a slide from them on on both ends. So I I think you bring up a very good point that it 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 is hard to look at a team that's lower in the standings and vote for the coach that is the you know below two other candidates directly opposed to him. But I, I do think, you know, if we look at just from a like a preseason um, Vegas win total, I think the Wolves and Thunder were both at uh, maybe, I think that Thunder maybe 42 and a half, uh, Wolves 44 and a half, something like that. Rockets, I remember I was on the under at like 29 and a half, and now there's a decent chance they end up in the 40s. Um, so I, I think if it's close, I think if, if the Wolves and Thunder are in the 50s, it, it is a tough case. But I do think we see potential sliding from both. And at 30 to 1, um, I think it's at least worth a look right now. I can't get there on betting it. I, I think it's one of those where it's like you were, it's good CLV, but I just don't think he's going to finish top two. Like I just, I, I do believe in the thunder enough for him to get there. Uh, I'll say the best value is actually still Mark Dagonal at, at plus plus one thirty. I think getting him at a plus number. Um, a lot of it, honestly, for the, for me is the narrative side of this, where I think Chris Finch might honestly be a better coach. Like what Chris Finch is having to do. People don't really understand. Like, He's making, he made the two big, like every, the worst trade of all time. This is the worst trade of all. And like, it turns out if you just have good coaching, you can figure it out and make it work. Um, also, Tim Conley was a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of two bigs being viable because it's the rage now. Everyone wants two bigs. Like, Chris Finch is a hell of a coach. I think Chris Finch is actually a better, like, in game coach than Mark Dagonal. And Dagonal's really good. He makes very good tactical decisions. But I do think that the narrative of taking a team as young as OKC is and making them a top three seed is really impressive. Now, maybe it winds up being, you know, Nuggets, Clippers, Wolves, and the Thunder slide to four. And if the Rockets are five, then you're going to be in a, you're going to be in a great spot. Uh, but even in that case, maybe Wolves pull ahead. Uh, Andrew, I want to ask you, what, who do you think is the best value right now for this award? 
I actually put down Nick Nurse at 2100. Uh, He's a first-year coach, which or first year with this team, uh, which is good for this award. Um, I think we could see if Embiid doesn't get that MVP, that that second MVP, but the Sixers remain really good, especially if Embiid misses a lot of games as a result of, and that's why he doesn't get the MVP, and the Sixers are still good. I think people are going to start to want to give them some sort of award, you know, from a narrative perspective, they might say, okay, well, how can we reward this team if it's not Embiid? And I think, um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll talk about Maxi for MIP a little later, but Nick nurse could be a recipient of that. Um, it's, I would say, I will say it's more of a numbers play just at 20 at plus 2100. Um, but, um, I do think that he actually does fit the profile of someone that could win this this award they're gonna have to win i i don't think he can get there with the the celtics that far ahead i just think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be tough when it's like you know uh, it's one of those where you don't want to they they're not gonna want to vote for missoula because missoula is not very good um (laughs) and so if they're not gonna vote for missoula who has a better record they're gonna be like well neither one of them and also it'll just be like well the sixers were good they have an mvp like how you can't be the coach of the coach of the year if you walked into a situation where you had the mvp well but what if you have the MVP and lost a former MVP in the offseason? Can you win it then? No, because it's James Harden and no one thinks he's that good. <laughs> so that's the other problem there. Um, my long shot it would, this is not a long shot um, per se, because he is third on the list, but it's plus 750. It's Jamal Mosley. What he's doing right now is the most important thing. Like They got an overtime win versus the Hawks tonight. This team is like, they're zombies. Like they're missing. Like they were without Franz and Fultz and like half of Isaac, half the roster is out. And Jamal Mosley is like throwing Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony and Paolo together and making shit happen with like Goga. Like it's crazy. Like they lost WCJ for two months essentially and maintain this. If the Magic make a playoff spot with this roster with how many injuries they have, Jamal Mosley's probably got pretty good value. Jim, is your long shot I, the, the same? Or uh, there It is, but I wanted to bring up one other name just very briefly. And just, uh, it's Rick Carlisle, who I think a lot of Buckets people are on probably from before the season. And mm. I, I don't think I would bet it today, but I do want to see the Pacers quietly. Their defense has actually been pretty solid uh, of late. They're yep. seventh best defense of the last two weeks. If that sticks they are going to fly up the standings and they could, it could get interesting. I, I don't think I would bet it today. I don't think the defense is going to stick, but it doesn't have to be a top seven defense. Even if it's just a top half defense, that team's going to be pretty interesting. And maybe it's, you know, maybe this isn't even the award to to focus on for it, but I think it's something to put on people's radar. They've been talking about it a lot. It's been a point of emphasis. It's not just, you know, a, a couple, and maybe it'd just be, it'd be a fluke, but it's definitely a point of emphasis for them. And it has, had success in 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 recent uh weeks so just something to keep an eye on andrew do you have a long shot um i'd put willie green down um i don't think yeah i think he's i think this pelicans could be good enough to where you they he starts you start having to talk about him um i think the reason i'm i'm actually not really there with mosley and carlisle or udoka just because i don't think that they're going to win enough games you have to win a lot of games to win this award. And right now, even, you know, back to Udoka just briefly, like even if they are on, even if they don't slip, 
they're on pace for 43.4 wins. That's that's the Rockets. Um, the Pelicans are currently on pace for about 48 wins. Uh, I guess maybe 49 now. Um, and and you kind of have to hit that 50 win threshold for this to be a serious conversation. And uh, you know, I think this is this is sort of. The the Pelicans are sort of, or Willie Green rather, is sort of uh, Zion proof. If he goes down and they're still good, which which they have proven to play well without Zion, then that only bolsters his case more. Uh, if he plays, their their ceiling is higher. So I like him at. I think you mentioned an even higher number. I saw forty two to one. Um, yeah, there's there's a higher number out there. It's fifty five to one at one more at one book. Um, yeah. So I was I want to push back on one thing. Tibbs won it in 2021 at a 46-win pace. So the key is you either need to win a shit ton of games or you need to take a roster that nobody thinks is that good and make them a playoff team. Like Mike like Brown did it last year with 48 as well. Right. True. So like you it, you don't need to get to 50. It's I think at 45 is the min. I think you're right. going to have a hard time if you're not if you don't get to 45. Uh a long shot that I will mention here is about michael malone at 120 to 1 if the nuggets were to secure the one seed in back-to-back seasons i know that they've got he's got the two-time reigning mvp so it's like okay nurse can't win it with Embiid. um this award sometimes is delayed where it's like you know like we haven't really appreciate and like michael malone's never won it he's gone over his fucking win total every single year they've been in the playoffs every year lose jamal murray and michael Porter jr in the playoffs like doesn't matter wins a title no recognition like he's never considered he's never talked about it even as a top five coach um and like that's gonna sound like a homer considering i cover the team and I, i'm known to be a, a bit mo i'm i'm mo positive but <laughs> i i do legitimately think that if the thunder and wolves were to all of a sudden like combust and fall back down to earth and you're not going to vote for missoula if the nuggets are the one seed again there might be a little bit of like a should we like maybe recognize that like Malone's maybe the best coach in the league? Like there might be a little bit of that conversation. That would be my long shot play. Um, let's go to rookie of the year. This one will breeze through. It's a two man race. Like congrats to Jaime Hawkes for his third place finish. Good, good job for you. Um, as always being the guy that, that Joe Cronin could have traded for in the eyes of heat fans. That's what that's actually, <laughs> they should put that on the back of his Jersey is guy. Joe Cronin could have, could have, traded for that can be the um, paragraph in the in the paint instead of the heat mm-hmm. culture paint yeah there you go <laughs> um it's it's cheddar victor chet's the favorite right now this is bounced back and forth and back and forth and back and forth um i i'll i'll be honest with you jim i don't know i i know victor's starting to miss a bunch of games but i don't know who i didn't know who to put for most likely to win here i don't know like who is likely to win chet's the favorite it seems like Chet, but that might just be me reading the market and being like, it's Chet. Like, I'm very curious to know you guys' thoughts on this. Who do you think is likely to win this award? So I've got the most likely to win as Duop Reith. No, I, <laughs> I, I do love Duop Reith, uh, and he has no number. I want to bet him somewhere. No, uh, I actually do think it's Wemby um, So for a couple of reasons here. This is a word that no- notoriously does not favor you know, advanced stats and advanced stats love Chet, but by counting stats, Wemby has big edges right now, points, rebounds, blocks, 
Um, and I think one thing that's quietly pretty big is Trey Jones is now um, in the starting lineup there. And Wemby has had two really good games with, with Jones as the point guard. We have known how bad the... <laughs> Like it has been a joke that, you know, it's it's Pop secretly trying to tank by keeping Sohan in the, the starting lineup. And now we finally get to see Trey Jones with Wemby and Wemby looks really good suddenly. Um, I think that those, the gap between their their surface level stats is only going to grow throughout the season. Um, and then by the end of the season, those those advanced numbers that that are, you know, Chet looks amazing. He does. And he's he is playing amazing. And if this was MVP, I think I'd have a different answer. Uh, but for rookie of the year, I, I think the 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 surface level stats of Wemby come the end of the season are, are going to be what what the the difference is, and I think why he'll he'll win the award. Okay, um, that's I mean that's a compelling that's a compelling case. I have Victor as the best value right now simply because whichever one of these guys is the plus number, you should just keep <laughs> betting, and every time it flips, just bet the plus number. Because it's going to be one of these two guys, and you can just keep racking up the portfolio value on them. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this on this one? Jim pretty much said everything I was going to say, except uh, less emphatically. I think, <laughs> like, I I don't understand why Vic, why Wemby is not the favorite. He is winning in all the stats that matter, and he's the he's the generational prospect. Like we've been talking, all we've been doing all summer is talk about Wemby, Wemby, Wemby. And now he's scoring more points, getting more rebounds, stealing and blocking more than Chet. Like if it's even close, it's going to Wemby, just not to mention the fact that Chet is basically in his sophomore season. He had that redshirt year. So if it's close, I think it's going to Wemby. And like Jim very astutely pointed out, I think that the the gap in those stats is only going to widen. I think it's I'm I'm absolutely betting Wemby the second the the awards come back up it's pretty much when we get off this podcast i'm betting wemby uh all right he's missed five games so that's fine he's 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 got uh 13 left this season to miss chet's like top five on the odds for defensive player of the year and chet like has a legitimate case like we'll talk about tpoi in a second he has a legitimate case and like victor does too like these two guys have are are top five in in blocks and stocks and all of these things as rookies it's ridiculous it's insane it would be a massive break from tradition of this award to give it to chet holmgren because you're effectively saying winning matters yeah like that's what you would right. be saying is you would be saying winning winning now matters for this award just this year it matters on the other hand I want to relate this to another award, which was sixth man of the year typically goes to the guy that scores the most points off the bench for a playoff team. And that was not the case last year. Brogdon won it by having the best impact stats. We honestly might be entering into an era where these impact stats wind up deciding stuff when it's just like, well, I don't know. So I guess it's this. And Chet's going to get him there. Like if you're a really good take. and, and, And I'll say this, like the most influential person in NBA award voting is Zach Lowe who I've known a long time and is the best NBA reporter on earth like Zach I think would probably be I don't know he hasn't said anything but I I'm gonna expect that if if Zach gets into he's gonna be like look Chet Holmgren made a massive impact for a team that made the playoffs and was a huge reason why they made the playoffs the Lakers won by the way um so good good on job on <laughs> actively we should have just been betting oh. live betting the Lakers while we were saying all the positive things on this podcast. 
So, all that's to say that I think the chat is very live. I understand why you guys are emphatic on Wembenyama, and I don't disagree uh, that the, the, the history of this award says you need to be vetting Victor. Um, I just kind of continue to think that this thing has shifted. It's hilarious. Like, Wembenyama has a 30-point game. Wembenyama's the favorite, minus 130. Check goes to plus 150. Chet comes back the next night, has five blocks, and hits the dagger three. Chet's the favorite, minus 130. Victor's plus 125. Like, just keep just keep taking, taking those coins and nickels that we get on the plus money all the way through. Because uh, it's going to be one of these two guys. And um, barring injury, I think that, that we can agree on that. Defensive player of the year. Uh, Rudy is minus 145 to win this award at one book. I think it's safe to say that the, the best defensive player on the best defensive team has to be considered the most likely to win. Do we have a disagreement? No. So Rudy Gobert is most likely to win if they vote today and for the season. Um, I was kind of soft on Rudy's chances based off of, I was like, look, if you really get into it, there's a lot of reasons this team is great defensively. Like they're an incredible defensive unit. Like Ant's on-off numbers are are terrific and his impact numbers are awesome. Jaden McDaniels is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Mike Conley is healthy and having a great defensive season. Cat has given them good minutes. Like all of these things are true. And then I heard Eric Spolstra basically wax for about seven minutes about why Rudy Gobert is the most influential defender on the on the best defensive team in the league. And I was like, well, shit. And like, granted, not all the voters are going to have heard that speech from Spo, but it does kind of reinforce the reasons why I can try and justify that this number is probably is not right. Um, I will keep saying this. They're 14th in defense, so they're ways off. They got to jump 10 spots. I will say that my best value is Anthony Davis because I would just keep, keep betting it. Plus 950. They want to vote for this guy more than any other human on the planet. They want to reward Anthony Davis. They want to give Anthony Davis the recognition as the, the best defender in the NBA on the 14th best defense in the league for a team under 500. Like that's, <laughs> they just badly want to give this guy his flowers. And so if they were to get back to a top five spot, uh, also from a legitimacy standpoint, Davis leads the, the league in stocks. He leads the league in, bl- in blocks plus, plus deals. That's a very easy metric for him to be able to impact things. The impact numbers don't necessarily line up the way they do with the other ones. What's interesting about this award, and I want to, I want to get your, I want you get you guys give me your two at the same time, the um, best value and long shot. But what I think is really interesting is when we look at the top five defenses, we've got Minnesota, we've got Boston, who doesn't have a legitimate candidate because they're all too good. We've got Orlando, who doesn't have a legitimate candidate because they don't have a shot blocker, and it's all basically Jalen Suggs, who doesn't show up on the stat sheet, and actually his synergy stuff isn't great either. Um, Philly, who we'll, I know we'll talk about, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, again, it's just like a collective thing. Jared Allen, I tried to bet him last year. He's never going to get recognition for what Jared Allen does defensively. So the top five defenses, the only team that has a viable candidate is either the Wolves or we can get to Embiid in the Sixers. Um, <laughs> Jim, let's let's start. With, are you going back to the well for like the going, eighth time I've asked you about this award? Going back to the well, baby. Oh, I boy. I still I still think Embiid at sixteen to one is because this is such a weird award right now because there isn't there really aren't good candidates beyond Rudy. So if I, yeah. I mean Rudy should be, I think he should probably be even a heavier favorite, but he also could very easily get hurt and miss some games and. You know, this isn't a word where there tends to be voter fatigue. In fact, it tends to be the opposite. It tends to be very sticky uh, year to year. So Rudy is definitely the favorite. But at 16 to 1, I still think Embiid does have value. He is the big man on the top five defense. 
And again, I, I see this as a way to not give him MVP, but give him an award. I th- but I think you and I need to start the revolution here, though, that that guards and wings can be defenders to win this award. Because I, I look at like a Herb Jones or Jalen Suggs, like some of these guys, Drew Holiday even, he, he didn't look great against Shea uh, recently. But these guys who are playing outstanding defense and are just, you know, being written off because it has to be big man, uh, best defense. So I, I, I come back to Embiid, but only because these are the rules laid out in front of me and I'm trying to read what will be bet. I still think that, you know, the Herb Joneses and Jalen Suggs of the world should be in the conversation. I have Suggs as my tasty CLV, even though I don't even know if he'll actually get CLV. He just is a defender that I want to to bring up at any and all times. He's so goddamn good. I watched him absolutely just give my, Jamal Murray hell. Unbelievable just, against him. I, I, I tweeted this. He, li- his, he lives in a constant state of in your shirt. Like yeah. he is in your fucking threads every night. He's amazing. Um, Andrew? Who do you think is the best value right now? And what's your long shot? Um, I was looking long and hard at Embiid as well. Um, I won't go over it. Jim has covered that for for plenty of episodes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Embiid was my best value. But honestly, Gobert. Uh, yeah, I, I echo the Gobert sentiments. My long shot was uh, the reigning DPOY, Jaron Jackson Jr. at thirty eight to one. Um, I think it's narratively it's a little bit too like iffy he's i think because they're so bad offensively and they just because they're not a good team it's going to be hard to like give him uh defensive player in the year two years in a row um with such a terrible team but uh i think at 38 to 1 it's a good clv bet uh if if the grizz can kind of turn things around um, you know, they beat the Suns without Ja today, but if they can turn things around and the, the they make the playoffs, I think he's got a solid case, although it's definitely one of those CLV bets. Uh, my CLV bet is another wing. It's OG Ananobi. Uh, ah, 30, was, yeah. 30 to 1 for OG. Um, in his 136 minutes that he's played with the New York Knicks, just a whopping 136 minutes. Uh, the defense is 38.6 points better than than they are without him. So that Not seems bad. good. Uh, good. Look, he, he sold me last year. I was always kind of like, uh, okay, OG's good, but he's not like elite. Like this is a little bit overstated. And then I really sat down and watched him last year and I was like, holy fuck, this guy's amazing. He's an incredible defender. Um, if anybody is going to win the award as not a center or a big, it's going to have to be a guy from a very large high profile market like yeah. Marcus Smart did with the Celtics. If the New York Knicks were to make a sudden and drastic climb from middle of the pack to elite defensively, and OGN, if it was like before the trade and after the trade, um, that could help them a lot. I actually do think there's a little bit of value on OG, even though it's a it's a uh, not a big. Um, yeah, if they're if, if the Knicks defense drastically improves post trade, which may or may not have to do with OGN and OB, Isaiah Hartenstein is actually first in DPM right yeah. now. Just throwing that out there. Yep, uh, but. But if, if, yeah, I agree with that a lot. I was actually looking at that. I thought his odds would be longer, though, which is kind of why I didn't go with him. But which, by yeah. the way, is, is, is kind of funny that, um, uh, with Isaiah Hardenstein because we talked about in this pod with the future Jays about Mitchell Robinson. Like, that was, exactly. our big, <laughs> that was our big, like, oh, we got to get on Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Poor bitch got hurt. Uh, six man of the year. Um, I have most likely to win question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. I have no 
fucking clue on this award. Uh, all of the candidates are terrible. The history of this award <laughs> says it needs to be a guy that scores a shit ton for a playoff team. Our options on that are real fucking limited at this point. Um, Bojan Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich is your closest candidate. If the Hawks were to get their shit together, do you want to bet that the Hawks are going to get their shit together? Because I do not. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. was a favorite for a long time and is technically like leading the most for a playoff team, technically speaking. So I guess it's Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, I just can't see anyone being like, oh, yeah, no, Tim Hardaway Jr. was the best reserve in the NBA this season. I don't see that happening. I have lots of thoughts on how to bet this award, Anthony or Andrew, but I have no clue about like what this market is right now. Yeah, this one took a long time to to parse through for me. Um, Jim has a great uh, article about this award, and he's been doing a really good job of following that. Um, but yeah, my I mean, my best value the the one that I saw that felt the best, and just because it's the closest to what we've seen in the past is Malik Monk at plus five hundred. Um, he's probably not going to ever get to the starting lineup. They just had a swap. They they just moved Herder away from the starting lineup and put in Chris Duarte. So if Monk is not going to go in for Herder uh, and, and going to get passed by Chris Duarte, I feel like he's pretty solidly going to come off the bench for the rest of the season. But to me, he's just the closest to that kind of Lou Will, Jamal Crawford type, which maybe we're moving away from, as you mentioned with the uh, Brogdon last year. But to me, he seemed like the best value at plus 500. Okay, that's an interesting one. Uh, Jim, what are your thoughts on where this award is at right now? Yeah, so I have the most likely to win right now as the best value, and it's Bogdan. Uh, that's that's where I came down at least. And the Hawks part of it is the sketchiest part of it, to be honest. But like you said, we have, we have five favorites, and they're all within a two-point uh sw- like very very tiny two point radius of of each other by adjusted net rating so none of these players are on good teams of the favorites and i think that bogdan of of that group he's scoring the most right now per game he's scoring the most by far over the last month he's up at 20 points a game over the last month he does have decent impact stats the the hawks are better with him on the court if that's something that we are now weighing um but it this this is a really weird award right now so I, I think it's not going to move. That number is not going to move a ton. So I think gathering information is is the best value right now. I think waiting waiting to see a little bit. Now, some people may have bets that they want to leverage. Uh, I talked about that in the article a little bit. Um, you know, THGJ was one who was you were able to get a really long number. So leveraging that right now, I think, is a good play because I also don't see him ending the year as the winner. Um, so if you have... Tim Hardaway, maybe do hop on to Bogdan. Um, but I, I think gathering information is is maybe the best value right now. The best value I have right now is Cole Anthony. So 14.5 points per game um, has led them to wins in the absence of faults. So he gets kind of that credit. There is a there is kind of a history of the award of guys that have like stepped up when guys have been injured and done the job as long as they don't start enough games and he has not started enough games to drag to uh, hurt him in that category. Um, look, it's only 14.4 points per game, only 3.5 assists. Like the numbers aren't there, but I did notice that his BPM is absolutely incredible uh, in large part because of the defensive stuff. But if you're just going to be like, if we just say Bogdan, Bo- Bogdan's not going to win because it's got to be for a guy on a playoff team. Cause that's been the history of the award. If we start there, 
then I get to, to call it plus 900. And I also say, like, there's probably room for Cole to shoot better, for him to, like, move a little bit up the board, for him to actually have some bigger games and have, like, bump this up to 15, 16. If he gets up to, like, 15 points per game, 15 and 5, say, um, 15 and 4, then I legitimately think there's a chance he wins. My long shot, and this is in your favorites section, too, it's Nas Reed. Um, 30 to 1, just, there, there's... What's the case against Nas, Jim? Uh, I put him and Portis in the same uh, category of big men don't often win this award in part because they don't really get very flashy numbers. I think Nas reads at like 12 and six maybe right now. And that's just for this award. I, I, you know, you did bring up the point that last year, you know, maybe we see somewhat of a shift away from just the pure looking, you know, uh, you know, control sort by points. Mm-hmm. Um but I still think that's going to be a, like if, if Bogdan ends the year averaging 19 points a game and Nasrid is at 12 and six, I, even if the, the Wolves stay in the top half of the West and the, the Hawks are kind of floundering near the play in, I, I do think that's a pretty big gap to, to have to overcome. Yeah, I think for me, it's like compared Nas's numbers to Montrez Harrell and Trez had such bigger raw production numbers. So it would take a bump. I just, this is where this, this, I will tell you, like, this all kind of does kind of tell you you shouldn't be betting this award. Like, you just, you shouldn't <laughs> be betting this award right now. This is not the time to bet it. Um, Andrew, do you have a long shot? I put uh, your guy from last year, Norman Powell, 45 to 1. Um, if he wins he's... this year, I'm going to be really pissed off. I'm just going to let you know that right now. <laughs> well, you could sprinkle a little right now. And, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, overcommit. I did look at this, which is top five in BPM for for guys that are st- have started at least twenty and or have played at least twenty and started less than ten, uh, less than eleven rather. Uh, guess who leads in BPM? Do you guys know the answer to this amongst those guys? Is it is know. it Bogdan? Kelly Olynyk. Oh, uh, I would not have gotten that. Kelly Olynyk, who is uh, many guesses to get there. Who is averaging thirteen point five points per seventy five possessions? So, who's, who's the leader among players who are going to be on a playoff team? Uh, Malik Monk, two point two. Ah, that's interesting. Hey. Uh, Sarge is at one point nine. Quickly is at one point nine, and Nas is at one point nine. What so were all those the kind of numbers? What were the parameters again? We uh, I was I went with uh, played more than twenty games, started less than ten. Got it. Okay. So, so this one is very much like the, of all these awards, this is a we don't know what the fuck to tell you. Yeah, like we'll know later. Well, even um, last year, like quickly, just kind of came out of nowhere, and you were just like, "Oh, okay, oh, quickly, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah." And, right. quick, and, and then and then they were just finally went up with going Brogdon because they were just like, "Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> the Celtics are really good." Yep. So, Peyton Pritchard, come on down, I guess. Uh, most improved <laughs> player. Finally, we'll wrap this up. This one's gonna be pretty easy. Tyrese Maxey is the favorite to win. I don't even need to ask the guys this. Like, it's, if they voted today, it'd be Tyrese Maxey. He's the most likely to win. He's minus 210 for a reason, et cetera. I will continue to say that if Tyrese Halliburton, if we see two guys out of Embiid, Jokic, Shea, Luka, Giannis, if two of those guys drop off, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be in this conversation right to the end. And there's going to be a, a lot of debate about, like, I knew that Hallie was awesome. I'm not voting for Hallie. I knew that he was awesome. But we also knew that Tyrese Maxey was really good. Like, we knew that he was good. We just, he got injured last year. And, and now, honestly, and he was playing for Doc Rivers. And so, like, the, he didn't have the opportunity that he deserved. John Morant won this award by going from, oh, no, yeah, Jaw's awesome. Like, number two pick. He's awesome. To, oh, shit, Jaw's like an MVP candidate. 
Tyrese Halliburton would go from, oh yeah, like Tyrese is awesome. He's an all-star to, oh shit, Tyrese is literally the engine of a playoff team and the number two offense in the NBA. So Halliburton at 16 to one, I cannot do anything but say that he is the best value on the board, Jim. That's ex- uh, exactly what I had. And very similar logic. I'll only add that maybe this is where we think a little bit about that Pacers defensive bump. And if they are able to have that, you know, even 15th ranked defense, this is a team that could easily be in the mid to high 40s for wins. I think that only helps his case that he and I, I think a lot of people really do like the jump from star to megastar. Um, I think some people roll their eyes on it, but I think for some people that is how they see this award. And I, I was actually kind of amazed to see him at sixteen to one when I was looking through uh, this award. I think I think there is value there right now, even though Maxi is the prohibitive favorite. We're so early in the season that you know missed games could very easily swing this, or just a, a narrative change over the next few months. Uh, Andrew, what do you think is the best value on the board? Honestly, I had Maxi as best value, even as much of a favorite as he is. He just checks every single box uh the only thing he doesn't is maybe not big enough of a leap but i i feel like he's he checks the most boxes for me but i do i do really like what you guys all just said about halliburton i think he's a really strong look as well okay what's your long shot clb <sighs> what's that clb uh, taste like um i had emmanuel quickly yo sure. same did you really? Wow. Yes. All right. Let's, let's go. go. Yeah. You fucking people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I'm just feeling a little sad that he left the Knicks, but I, I think Emmanuel could, because here's the thing. I think he could absolutely just pop off the face of the planet in Toronto. And it's going to be narratively speaking. I want to hear what Jim says, but narratively speaking, there's oh well he was shunned in New York he was sent uh, uh, north of the border to play in Toronto and he's absolutely shining he's he would have to so he's averaging 20 points per game with the Raptors that would have to crawl that would have to get even higher but I think he's going to get the opportunity I think he's going to get the you know the usage and I think he's a great look at one 125 to one. Jim? Yeah, I, I echo a lot of what Andrew just said. And, you know, he Andrew mentioned he'd have to increase his scoring. His shooting actually hasn't been all that good with Toronto. So it would only take a little bit of regression to the, the positive mean um, if he's able to keep up the usage and, and field goal attempts that he's gotten in Toronto in a, a tiny sample so far. But he's averaging five rebounds, five assists as well. It's a guy who, you know, was close to winning an award last year. So I think sometimes there's a little bit of like, oh, you you were on our mind last year. We're, you're on our mind again this year. So um, that's that's really funny. I mean, it's not, again, this is the, the tasty CLV bet, but uh, to, to end on a, a very aligned Emmanuel quickly tasty CLV MIP, I, I love that. What's funny is I have his teammate. I have Scotty Barnes, 16. Oh, yeah. As a long shot. So um, if you think the Raptors have upside and they just knocked off the Warriors and absolutely fucking demolished them because the Warriors yeah. are a joke, uh, I cannot wait to get Andrew, like, to get Brandon Anderson back on this <laughs> podcast after football for us to talk about the Warriors. It was our biggest disagreement point. I cannot wait. I'm doing like I'm going to do a whole like, <laughs> hey, you've been gone. Let me tell you about what's been going on in the NBA. We're going to start with funny story about the Warriors. Um, <clears throat> but like Scotty Barnes, 
he has made a huge leap in my eyes in terms of his control. The numbers he's putting up are ridiculous. Um, he is the best player. He is the engine of that team. They are they are not good right now. But if they were to make a run, if quickly and this re, if this trade were to shape things, now the opposite can happen. They can trade Siakam and just go the other yeah. direction. Like that can happen pretty quickly. But if they were to make a run, like this is an upside thing. Is like if we look at trade season and we want to go go upside, I think Scotty Barnes. Um, has a lot of potential. It would be interesting to see, like, who would they vote for, Scotty Barnes or Emmanuel Quickly, uh, depending on those two. And so, I think that's. <laughs> Do we care if they're good or not, though? I mean, Lowry, Lowry Markkinen won last year on the Jazz. I mean, they overperformed a bit, but they weren't a great team. Yeah, but I think it's got they got to get to like thirty nine versus yeah. like a thirty four win pace. Like that's what they got to right, do. Right. That's got to do it for buckets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us and uh, hanging in for this episode. We want to get through all the awards. You can catch Jim Turvey on Twitter and in the Action Network app at Turvey Bets. Andrew is at AOWatts13. My thanks to David Payne, our producer, as well as Hutton Jackson, the video crew, for putting this up on YouTube.com slash The Action Network. We're back tomorrow with Best Best. Jay Money's back in the house tomorrow, along with Brian from Seca. Make sure to tune in for that. We'll be back all throughout this week. Sean and I will check in on win totals and playoff futures on the Friday episode. Have yourselves a great week. Until we meet again, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.